Well, tonight at, at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to be talking about the Bible, talking about the Word of God, that it's a sword, that it pierces through our hearts, it pierces through our nonsense, it, it pierces through our deception, and it it comes to bring correction, it comes to bring encouragement, it comes to bring us life, that Jesus is the Word of God, that He was there in the beginning. You know, as you start to read the Gospel of John, he describes that he was there in the foundations, that he was there in the beginning, that he is the Word. And, and through the Gospel of John, he refers to himself to, as the Word over and over and over again. You know, and it's so important that we begin to, to read and spend time in our words. You know, I grew up in a religious you know, family, you know, there was generation after generation of people that went to church. And I don't think I ever saw a Bible. You know, I uh, went to church every Sunday as a kid, you know, and we would be a religious family, but, you know, apart from church and apart saying that we were Christians, I personally didn't see a lot of representation of our belief system. You know, my grandparents were together for 50 plus years. You know, they, you know, were, you know, a stable, you know, family system, you know, and in my life, both of my parents have been married and divorced three times, you know, and there was a lot of chaos in my childhood, you know, and even though we went to church, it didn't seem like it, it made any difference, you know, and, and in my life, I went far from God and, and later in my, after my teens and in my early twenties, I would declare myself an atheist and the deeper down the rabbit hole of addictions I went, you know, the more angry I would become. And in as much as I, you know, claimed to be an atheist, I was mad at, at God. I was mad at, at Christians, you know, because you know, if there is this God that you speak of, then how come my life is so horrible? You know, and through my own actions, you know, in and out of jail, you know, in and out of rehabs, you know, I I moved up here in 2002 because I knew that I needed the geographical change. I could not continue to, to get out of jail and go hang out with my friends and expect that I was ever going to change anything. You know, I came up here, I started going to AA meetings, I started going to NA meetings, and I was very angry, and I did not want to hear anything about God. You know, anybody that would bring up any sort of spiritual topics or talk about God in in the rooms, I would be belligerent, I would cross-talk, I would say how stupid it is, and my life continued to spiral out of control, you know, and eventually... I got to a broken place and somebody confronted me and said, you know, all you do is complain. The least you could do is pray. And some weeks had passed and, you know, I finally started to pray about, you know, areas of my life that I knew that I could not change. No matter how hard I tried, I could not take my anger away. I could not relieve myself of the shame that I felt for my own actions and the things that have been done to me, you know, and, some weeks had passed and 
I went to bed one way and I woke up a different way. And besides having this spiritual experience, you know, there is really no explanation for it. I did not believe in Jesus. I did not believe, you know, that that Christ was the you know, the risen son. I did not believe in any sort of religious system. But here I was trying to pray, you know, because I was broken and and had nowhere else to turn. And because of that experience, you know, I started to look into, you know, the the spiritual literature that you find in recovery and, and started reading different books. You know, we came to believe and, and other things. And I started, you know, looking at the prayers and you know, AA literature, and I would start saying them, and start saying the serenity prayer, and, you know, and God started to get a hold of me, you know, and I started to, to, to make some growth spiritually, but, you know, if I look back at it, I would say that I created my own God, and it was basically me in the sky with superpowers trying to get Tom's will accomplished, which still was very destructive, and, um, you know, through some more pain, through some more relapsing, you know, and, you know, trying to figure this thing out, you know, trying to do more, trying to, you know, do whatever I'm supposed to be doing, you know, a lot of works, you know, in my life, you know, I'm going to meetings on a regular basis, I'm saying the prayers, I'm going to big book studies, I'm having big book studies, I'm having sponsees, I'm going to college for chemical dependency counseling, I'm doing and I'm doing and I'm doing. But there's still this brokenness on the inside of me that isn't going away. You know, and <clears throat> I had over 16 months sober and, you know, I ended up relapsing and I went out hard because I, I was hopeless. You know, and, and people came and 12-stepped me and said, you know, I should go back to detox. And I'm like, well, I'm out of money, so if I don't go to detox, I'm going to get arrested real soon. So off the detox I went. You know, and I got out of detox and go back to the rooms. You know, that's, what do you do? I mean, you put your tail between your legs and you humble yourself and you admit that you, you failed once, once again. And um, at that meeting, I, I ran into this girl that <clears throat> she'd been going to 16, 16 years prior, and I, I knew her from being in early recovery with her and I hadn't seen her in a while and um she'd been going to church you know and she said my my church is doing this new recovery group you should come and um and I'm like it can't hurt me you know I, I mean four days ago I was in a crack house you know and uh off to church I went you know and really being in a desperate place you know not really looking for Jesus but you know, I, I knew that, you know, you're supposed to kind of go to church if you want God. And, you know, it was the, the routine that I was taught as a, as a kid. And this girl was inviting me. So I'm like, here off, you know, off the church I go. And I, and I went to celebrate recovery. Never heard of it before. You know, and I sat there not really knowing what it was about. But it's a Christ-centered 12-step group. You know, and I sat there and I heard the message of Jesus for the very first time. That no matter what I've been through and no matter what I've done wrong, that he loves me. He wants to come into my life and, and save me from myself and to deliver me from sin. That he wants to heal my heart and he wants to fill me to overflowing. And I sat there and I was weeping. 
you know, and I was crying and I don't know what was happening in that moment. You know, as somebody that was never really introduced to the Holy Spirit, you know, I went to, to church, you know, church was something that you did on Sunday and you did on holidays and, you know, but there wasn't this relationship with God that I seen growing up. Like I never saw, you know, anyone praying. I never saw anybody reading the word of God. I never saw anybody pursuing Jesus other than I'm a Christian. I go to church, you know, and the Holy Spirit was moving on me and it was messing me up. And the woman that was leading the group at that time, you know, said, can I pray for you? And I'm like, sure. She asked me if she could put my her hand on my shoulder. And I said, okay, not knowing what that really meant because I didn't understand or know anything about the word of God. You know, and honestly, if I would have known what it meant, I probably would have said, no, take your hocus pocus and your your mojo somewhere else. But when we lay hands on people and pray, there is power that is released from somebody that has the Holy Spirit, even if they don't. You know, that, that it, you know, there's so many misconceptions that are thrown around in the religious realms about Jesus, about the Holy Spirit, about the Word of God, about healing. And it's not until we get grounded in our own Word that we know what the truth is. You know, and a lot of times we go through things and we're having a hard time, and some Christian says, well, you don't have enough faith. And it demoralizes us. It's like, I'm doing the best that I can over here, and I'm falling apart, and you're telling me I'm not good enough. And it has nothing to do with that. And as Christians, we should say, oh, wait, my word tells me to bear each other's burdens. My word tells me that if I pray for people that they could be healed. My word says that I should intercede. But no, I want to cast judgment. And we as Christians, if we don't know our word, we slip into this religious mindset. <clears throat> in that without realizing it, we're trying to be in control of God. And if you look at it through the history of man walking with God, that there was a relationship with God and it drifted and man created religion. And it didn't work and it fell apart and man cried out to God. God showed back up. There was a relationship with God. After a time, man made religion because man wanted to be in control. It didn't work. It got destroyed. Some pain happened. Some more time happened. Around and around we go because we do the same things today. That we have this experience with God. We get saved. We go through the motions with church. And then we drift away because we know all the, the moral things that we should be doing. And I knew that I did not want religion. I knew that I did not want to be one of these Jesus freaks. But I was so desperate that something had to change. I've tried everything. For me, the, the thing that I say is that church was the last house on the block. It's like, oh boy, here we go. Like my life is over. 
I'm going to have to go to church, and I'm going to have to listen to that awful music, and I'm going to have to stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down, stand up, sit down. I'm going to have to do religious calisthenics every Sunday. You know, and I'm like, oh, this cannot be reality. My life is over. Fun is gone. The only way I'm going to stay sober is I'm going to be the most boringest person in the world, and I'm just going to have to, like, be catatonic. Oh, man. And I, three weeks ago into this meeting, Celebrate Recovery, and they're talking about Jesus, and they're trying, you know, they're mixing it into recovery, and it's making some sense. You know, and I woke up one Sunday morning. There really wasn't a plan. And I it just like, if I'm going to be serious about this God stuff, then I should go to church. And I called the cab because I wanted my motives to be pure. I didn't want to call the girl because I knew, like, I, I'm trying to be serious about this stuff. You know, and I got to church. I sat with her anyway. That's besides the point. My motives were pure for trying to get there. You know, and I don't remember what was preached that day. And they, you know, at the end of the sermon, they said, does anybody want to accept Jesus Christ as a personal Lord and Savior? And I, I was sitting towards the back, and I'm like up out of my chair, off to the side of the aisle, walking to the front of the church. You know, and I turn the corner, and I look, and there's like 400 people staring at me, and I'm like... What the hell are you doing? And I walk over to the pastor who was very eager to set the devil free. You know, like, you know, I have a shirt that has a dragon on it and there's flames on it. You know, I got all these piercings. I got all this, you know, metal jewelry, you know, and it's like, you know, the devil came to get saved, you know, and it's like, I come up to him and he's like, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? And I'm like, I don't know. And I could see that he was very perplexed. Like, I just walked from the back of the church. Like, every eye in the building was on the guy with the flame shirt that's going to the front of the church, you know. He's got a million pounds of metal in his face, and he's coming to get saved. Like, woo, Jesus, you know. And I'm like, oh, my God, I'm about to be religious. What am I doing? You know, today I know that there was spiritual warfare going on. Then I just thought that my life was over, and I'm going to be one of the freaky people. You know, and I sat there for a minute, and he started, he could see that there was warfare going on. and He just started, you know, if if I accept Jesus, then he would come into my heart. He would fill me to overflowing. You know, he wanted to heal my wounds. And I'd never met him before, so, you know, I'd never had a conversation with him. So he didn't know one of the things that I really felt about myself is that I'm a virus. I'm a black hole. And if I get around you, your life's going to be sucky because my life is that sucky. Like, I'm contagiously bad, you know. And he told me that if I accept Jesus, he's going to fill this black hole up. You know, and that day I made a decision to accept Jesus and it had nothing about going to heaven. It had nothing about afraid to go to hell. It had everything to do with that. I am so sick and tired of this pain that I'm going to give Jesus a shot. You know, and I accepted Jesus and went home and absolutely nothing was different. You know, like, there's people that have these alter experiences that get floored. That wasn't my case. But 
here I am, I'm going to recovery, I'm going to AA meetings, I'm going to the Celebrate Recovery meeting, I'm going to church, and I'm trying to figure this out. Well, this pastor that led me to the Lord sees me, and he's like all excited that I came back the next week, and he's like, hey, how you doing? And I'm like, oh my God, leave me alone. I do not want to deal with your religiousness. You know, like, I had a hard picture of what church was about in religion, and I was really trying to fight through my own judgments against religion and trying to just stay sober and figure out this Jesus character and how this Jew was going to save my life. Like, I was like really confused in this whole thing. Like, how is this old hippie, you know, going to do anything for me? But here we go. You know, I, I, I like Christmas. I get presents and Easter. We get eggs and, and bunnies and stuff. And, you know, we eat turkey and ham. I don't understand all those things. But anyway. <clears throat> Here I am trying to figure this out, and he is, like, super excited that I'm there. And and he's, like, telling me, and he's, like, you know, you know, a great way to figure out Jesus is you should read your Bible, and yada, yada, yada. I'm, like, all right, okay, cool. You know, and the next week comes, and he sees me again. He's, like, hey, how you doing? You know, I'm glad to see you back, yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Have you read your Bible? You know, it's really good. You should read your Bible. I'm, like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Third week goes by. He's talking to me. He's, like, do you even own a Bible? I'm, like, no. He's, like, oh. He's like, can't really read a Bible if you ain't got one. But I wasn't letting him know that because I wasn't going to read it anyway. I didn't like to read. I don't like books. I literally made it through high school without reading anything. I would sit there. I would pay attention. If I really thought I was going to bomb the class, I'd sit next to the really smart kid and copy his. And then the last five questions, I'd answer real fast so it didn't look like I was cheating. So I would be done before him. So therefore, I can't be cheating off him. I got done before him. Anyway, that's my strategy. It worked great. <clears throat> so here I am as an adult, and I've never really read a book, ever. And here he's telling me that I should read this Bible, and I'm like, have you seen the thing? It's like got a million pages to this thing. Like, you want me to read what? For who? Nah. Nah, son. That ain't going to happen. You know, in another week came by, and he's like, did you read your Bible? And I'm like, no. But needless to say, I've been to church for like a month straight. That was like a record, because I was doing it all on my own, in a sense. And that day, he switched his tactics on me. And I'll never forget it, because I grew in respect for this man, and it changed our relationship. And he's like, all right, if this stuff is true, if Jesus lived this perfect life, if he, he, he lived and died this death, he was brutalized, he was whipped, he had a crown of thorns bashed on his head, he was crucified, which means he had, you know, spikes pierced through his hands and through his feet. If, if it's true, the least you could do is read one page. And I start laughing. And he's looking at me like, why am I laughing? I'm like, you're trying to manipulate me. Like, dude, I'm a drug addict. Like, I've been walking on the streets for my entire life. This little Christian is trying to manipulate me. And I, like, thought I got a kick out of the deal. Like, he's speaking my language. He's trying to, trying to get me to do something. And it's like, all right, you know, okay. And it, it, like, instantly, you know, it was funny. But that week, didn't think about reading the Bible. Saturday night comes, and I'm like, oh, I better read that Bible. That guy's going to harass me again. 
So I literally, I get it, and he tells me, you're going to start in John. I'm like, I don't know, where's John? You know, I'm like flipping through it. Oh, there's John. I don't know who John is. But anyway, I read a page of John just so I could tell that guy, I finally read your stupid Bible, leave me alone. He never asked me again ever if I've ever read. I'm like, dang it, why can't I get some credit around here? But that began my process. That every morning I'd wake up and I'd get my cigarettes and I'd get my coffee and I'd have my morning meditations, my AA meditation and this meditation and that meditation and codependency meditation. I had all these little recovery meditation books. There's like a million of them out there. I had like 500. But anyway, you know, I'm trying to grow spiritually. So I'm like, all right, let me read a page of this Bible. I read a page of the Bible. I'm like, I have no idea what anybody's saying. This is ridiculous. I'd close it. The next day, I get up. I read my morning meditation. Here's this big book. I flip it open. I read another page. Nothing happens. This is great. By this rate, I'll be done with this thing when I'm 60. <clears throat> but it started my process of reading a page a day. And then all of a sudden, the day comes when it's like, well, I could read two pages. Oh, wait, there's the end of the chapter. And I read a chapter. And I'm like, all right. Maybe if I read like a chapter a day, I might get through this thing before I die. You know, and I started reading. And it was in chapter 3 of John when the Holy Spirit kicked me straight in the teeth. You know, it's not John 3.16. It's John 3.17 through 19. And it talks about that if a man wants to stay in sin, that he stays in the darkness. But a man who wants to come out of sin will walk into the light. And it's like the Holy Spirit flashes me to Kemble Street coming out of a crack house in August at 7 o'clock in the morning when the sun is beating bright out and it's already hot. And all I'm thinking about is going back inside. I want to get back into the darkness. I want to continue my sin. I do not want to hit the street. I do not want to have to go do what I got to do so I can get back in the darkness. And it was like, whoa. What is up with this book? Because it was like this, it literally like flashed me into like a real life scenario and then brought me back and I'm sitting in my living room and I'm like, what What just happened? You know, and I'm like, okay, that was weird. We're not telling anybody that happened. And kept on reading and nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. Nothing happens. I'm like, all right, that must have been a fluke. I must have had too much coffee or something. I don't know. And it kind of drifted away. So I'm reading a chapter a day. So chapter 3, now I'm into chapter 20. So this literally almost a month went by without Jesus really saying hi. But I've been going to church and going to meetings and staying sober. And I'm reading through, and I get to John 20. And I'm going down through the chapter, and I'm getting really frustrated because I want to believe, I just don't. I have all this doubt. I have all this these problems with religion. I'm I'm really struggling, but I'm trying to get myself there. And I literally, I'm part of the way through the chapter. I get frustrated. I slam the Bible down on the coffee table. I'm like, all right, if you're real, move something in the room. And I sit back in the couch, and I'm like waiting waiting for something to move, like, 
knickknack fall off the shelf, TV come on, anything to happen. A coffee cup move, like I'm waiting for like some poltergeist stuff start to happen in the house. And I'm like, all right, this Jesus stuff is real. Nothing happened. But I got to finish the chapter. So I flip open the Bible, and the next story is about Thomas the twin. Doubting Thomas. Here I am. I'm a Gemini, so I'm a twin. And I'm doubting Thomas. Like, there could not have been a better scripture, because just reading the title of it punched me in the face. And I go down, and I'm reading through it, and Jesus is resurrected, and, and, and Mary comes and tells Peter, and Peter and John, oh, not John, the, the, the disciple that Jesus loved, runs to the thing, and he's like, Peter lost the race. I got there first. You know, and it's like, if you look at the terminology that's going on in the chapter, I'm like, this guy's crazy. You know, but, and I get to it, and, you know, Jesus shows up in the, in the room, but Thomas isn't there. And it's funny because Jesus, the first thing he says is like, touch my wound and, and look at my hands. And everybody's like, wow, it's Jesus. So then Thomas shows up and he's like, I'm not believing it unless I see the wound on his side and touch his hand. And it's like Jesus knew that Thomas was going to say that, so he let everybody else see exactly what Thomas was going to have a struggle with. And he's like, watch this. And like a week goes by and they're like, Jesus is real. And Thomas is like, I ain't believing it unless I see it. Move something in the room. I don't believe it. And then all of a sudden, Jesus like hocus pocus through the wall. Hi, Thomas, check this out. Look at my wounds. And Thomas is floored. He's like, and Jesus goes, blessed are those who believe without seeing. You are my Lord, Thomas declares that Jesus is the Messiah. And I'm like wrecked. I'm like totally moved. Like I'm looking for like something to fall off the shelf. And Jesus threw me up against the wall. And I'm like, how is that even possible? How did that even happen? How did that story end up in this weird book? Like, how did that speak to me so powerfully exactly who I am? Like, everything about what I just said, who I am, what I declare in the skies as far as my horoscope is concerned, all of a sudden Jesus is like, oh yeah, I'm going to use all this stuff against you. Like, he knew in the story that Doubting Thomas would want to see his hands and feel his wounds, so he declared that to the rest of everybody that was standing there. So when Thomas is like, I ain't believing unless I see it, and they're like, dude, you don't have no idea. Like, he just said that, and then you just said that. That's got to be really weird to them. And here I am getting floored by this book. And I'm like, what's going on with this thing? But then, at that point... Every time I would read something, and I'm like, that's baloney. That's the, the Christian-rated version of what I would have said way back when. Every time I would read something and have doubt, I would tell myself, you have to believe it before you're ever going to see it. Where before, I'm wanting to see it to believe it. And Jesus wrecked me. Because at that point, now I'm like, all right, so this Holy Spirit stuff's real, all these people falling down and shabba blah 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 and all that weird stuff, that's supposed to be real? Like, I don't know about that. I'm going to put that on the shelf for a while. But I'm going to keep reading this Bible and going to church. 
and all these people worshiping. That's really weird. Why don't they just drop a chord and get some D and start screaming into the mic? And then actually we could enjoy the music because all this worship stuff is nonsense because I can't stand it. It's like nails on a chalkboard. Like I literally would get so frustrated with worship that I would just not come to worship and show up when the word would get preached. But here I am, I'm reading this book. And I bounced around the New Testament, and Jesus started rocking me. I'm like, I'm staying out of the Old Testament. I'm not dealing with none of that. I don't want to know anything about Adam and Eve and, and, and Noah and his boat. I'm not going there. Moses was just a hippie tripping on mushrooms, seeing flames. Like, I'm not not dealing with all these Sunday story, you know, hocus-pocus stories. I'm not going there. I know probably Santa Claus is in there in the Easter Bunny somewhere. Like, I'm not going there. Like, this Jesus character in the New Testament is really starting to make a lot of sense. And he's really starting to get at me and he's starting to really do stuff that is like weird to me because I'm like thinking things and I'm feeling things and I'm wondering about stuff and then I read it and I'm like, what is up with that? How is that possible that I just had that conversation and now I'm reading it? Like, that's just weird book. But, okay, I'm going to keep reading it. Like, what's going on? Like, Jesus started to really move through the pages of this book. And what I've come to learn as a Christian, that if I'm not learning to wield this sword, I have no defense against the attacks of the enemy. That this is my defense. This is... The only thing I have as far as a tangible thing that I can turn to on a regular daily basis as often as I want to and that I can have this encounter with the God of this universe, this is what we all have. And if you don't have a Bible, I will give you one. I will give you this one. Because I have one. And it's the same exact one as this one. It's just really old. Got some duct tape on it because it falls apart. That it's so important that we're learning what this book has to say about the God that we say we believe in. And even more important, I think, is what this book has to say about me who believes in the God who gave me this book. Because there's a lot in here about a lot of misfit, broken people that screw up a lot. And I relate big time on a regular basis. Like, yeah, I did it all on my own this time. Oh, that didn't work. God, what happened? He's like, you tried it on your own again. Oh, yeah, I probably shouldn't do that. I do that on a regular basis. I just read that this morning in Joshua. You know, like literally it's like, No matter where you flip, within a half an hour of actually paying attention to what you're reading, Jesus is speaking to you. There's sometimes it's like where you flip open is exactly what you need to read. It's like the magic eight ball on steroids. (laughs) 
that without this, I would not be standing here. And I would care to say without this, most of you wouldn't be sitting here. But what I've come to learn is that far too many Christians don't know how to wield their sword. They know how to throw some religious nonsense around. But what they fail to realize that they try to use this as a club and Jesus is trying to use this as a mirror that when we read it, Christ reflects back off the page and shows us exactly how we're missing it. More times than not, he's working on me. And I watch religious people try to beat people up that don't know anything about God. And that's not what we're supposed to be doing with this thing. We're supposed to let the Holy Spirit beat us up so that we can become more like Christ. But the thing of it is, is that we don't want to read this word because we want to forget our faces. We don't want to do what it says. And as I kept flipping through the New Testament, I'm reading Peter, I'm reading James, and I'm like, whoa, the Bible's full of stuff out of the big book. I'm like, wait a minute, the Bible's way older than the big book. Holy smokes, like the whole big book's written on the Bible. And it was like this aha moment that the core belief system to Alcoholics Anonymous was a Christ-like faith. And that the first hundred in middle America, Ohio, in New York City, most of them, all of them, were white in middle class. Most of them were men. Would have been to church on a Sunday. They would have had Bibles in their houses. They would have been reading it because they're trying to figure out God. And I'm like, whoa. The basis of healing out of the sickness that I have inside of me is this crazy book. And I'm like, this is not, this is nuts. Like, I had no idea that Jesus was going to okie doke me. I thought that I was going to read this book of a million pages of rules of stuff I'm supposed to do. And not, that's not it at all. It's about having a relationship with God. It teaches me how to live. It teaches me how to act. I remember, I was brand new to this thing. And I didn't care much about what anybody thinks. It's not much different than today. But anyway, um, I went to Pastor Mike, and I had my Bible. And I'm like, do Christians actually read this thing? Because I've never met anybody that actually lives this way. And he looks at me, he starts laughing. I'm like, no, I'm serious. Like, your Christians are supposed to be doing this stuff, and you don't. Like, what the heck's wrong with you people? And he's just looking at me like, I don't know what to think. I'm, I'm afraid if I say the wrong thing, he might hit me. And I'm like, something's up with this Jesus stuff. The Holy Spirit's moving on me. My life's getting better. This Bible keeps talking to me in weird ways. And I'm like, I'm going to be a new breed of Christian. 
You know what? I don't even like that word, Christian. I'm going to be a follower of the way. Because that's what they were known as. They were followers of Christ. That Christian was a slang term that was given to them because they were imitating Christ. And they're like, oh, look at you little Christians. Like, oh, you're little so cute. You look like Jesus. And then we've been known as Christians because we're supposed to be imitating Christ. But so often, we imitate church. We imitate religion. And if you really read the things that we see in our religiousness, even today, even in me, at some point I trip across it in the Old Testament, that some Pharisee or some priest was saying this or doing that, and I'm like, oh, I'm missing it again. Because it's so easy for us to drift into, I want to be in control of God, and when God's supposed to answer my prayers, and when he doesn't, I get frustrated, and I don't understand, there must be a curse, I must have done something wrong, yada, 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 yada. No. The sovereignty of God says that Jesus is in control. Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. i got to remember that. Something goes wrong. And then I tell him how good I've been. They're like, oh, filthy rags. Dang it. I did it again. Whenever we go through things, we try to remind God how good we are. Or at least that's me. Why? Because I want moralism. I want to be a good boy. And when I'm a good boy, I get presents. Christmas time, Jesus. No, that's religion. That he can bless me when I'm sinning. Why? Because he can. He's God. And he can take me through some difficult things when I'm behaving myself. Oh, rejoice in your suffering. Oh, that's a lovely verse. We all love those ones. Oh, he's teaching me how to persevere. I've never persevered anything in my life because I run away from everything. Oh, Oh, he's working on my character. Yeah, I don't have any of that either. So I guess I'm supposed to be working on that. Oh, it's through the Holy Spirit that I find hope. Eh, hope. Hope is when I get what I want, right? No, my hope is in Christ. And then I do what he wants. And that when we read our word, it keeps us in check. It keeps us balanced in our walk that we don't get out of balance and we don't fall into religion. We don't fall into moralism. We don't fall into sin. And when we do, the blood of Jesus washes those sins away. But that doesn't give us a license to just do what we want to do. We have to realize that this is the temple that the Holy Spirit now dwells in, and I'm supposed to to live according to what the Word of God is asking me to do, and I'm supposed to arrest my thoughts and bring them back to the obedience of Christ, and I'm supposed to love people as I love myself, but I don't like myself so much so I can punch my neighbor. Is that how that? No, no, no. I'm supposed to love God. How do I love God? Okay, i got to go back to the book. And the more we spend time in here, it, it renews our mind. That if you don't know Jesus, you need to get born again. If you do know Jesus, you need to renew your mind. How often? Every day. Every day. Now, life's life. You know, do I read my Bible every day? No. But I've put in practice that we get up as a household every morning and we read and pray. Why? I need it. And I'm dragging them with me. You know how often my alarm goes off and I'm like, I don't want to get up. There has to be some excuse. What's the excuse I can use today? Holy Spirit's like, you're supposed to be a leader. Like, damn it. 
Alright, out of bed I go. Here I am, ready to read and pray. Woo, Jesus! But because I've created this accountability for myself, that I'm teaching other people that this is important, that I should probably do it too. Because it is important. You know, and I wish that I would spend more time in my word, and I wish I would spend more time praying, and life's life, and I can make a million excuses, and the fact of the matter is that I need this thing. I need this in my life. We need this in our lives. We need to pray as we go, and we need to, to take scriptures and say, I'm not doing that at all. Will you help me do that? And stop jumping into Psalms every time we, we want to feel good about ourselves. You know, and let the Holy Spirit crucify us in the sense of bringing us into obedience that his, his scripture is for rebuke, for supplication, for encouragement, that we should be using this accordingly and learning how to follow Christ correctly and stop beating up people that don't know anything about Jesus because the Bible tells us not to do it. Don't judge people that don't know me. You'll do it all day. But you can correct your brother if he calls himself one of mine. But you should be in relationship with that person. Oh, wait. You mean I just can't chuck Bibles at people all day? Like, you're not living right. Here, have a Bible. Jesus, he needs more of you. And, like, and Jesus is like, you do. Shush yourself. Aww. They need Jesus and I would be better. Like, like, maybe if you got a little bit more of me, they wouldn't bother you as much. Oh, that's not what I want. You know, it's like, we're little kids. At least I am. And this thing keeps me walking the best that I possibly can. And without it, I'm a lunatic. Because I, I need to renew my mind. Still today, I don't have it all figured out. I still trip across stuff, and I'm like, I don't even remember that. I know I've read it before. And Jesus is like, yeah, but you weren't ready for it. It's so important that we're reading this. And I know most of you are, but I just really encourage you. You know, what helps me is a Bible reading plan. You know, it helps me to, to check off my boxes and what parts of my OCD that are left. I get really a lot of joy out of that. <clears throat> you know, it's so important that we find a way to be systematically, you know, chewing this thing up because it's our daily bread. You know, and the more we do it, the more we, we grow with Christ without even realizing it. And then we go through something difficult, and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit's like, hey, check this one out. Here, check this out. Here, I'm throwing out verses, and I don't even remember where they're coming from. Why? Because it's in me. That it's alive. That it, it does not come back void. So every second that I spend is what this program tells me, that I had this problem that my self-will was run riot and I was spiritually bankrupt. So I'm making spiritual deposits every time I read, every time I pray, every time I serve, every time I go to church, every time I go to a meeting. I'm putting these spiritual deposits in my spiritual bank account because the day's going to come that a bad one's going to happen. And if you're anything like me, when the bad ones come, I just say, I'm out, I'm done. And I'm, I'm tired of rebuilding. I'm tired of going around the mountain again. So it's so important that we have this daily reprieve due to our spiritual conditioning. And how we condition our spirit 
is reading and praying and serving and, and hanging out with fellow believers and praying with fellow believers and getting in small groups and doing Bible studies and, and worshiping and, and different things are all these things that are moving in our spirit so that when we have tough days, when we have trials, when we go through suffering, we know that he's right there with us through everything that we could possibly go through. Would you just bow your heads with me? Lord, I, I just thank you so much. I thank you for your word. I thank you that you gave it to us, that we could get to know you better. Lord, I pray that you would put a hunger inside of each and every one of us, that you put this fire inside of us to learn it, to allow it to correct us, to allow it to rebuke us, to allow it to encourage us, to show us who we are in Christ, that we have been adopted, that we have been paid for, that we are your kids, Lord, and we are to go out into this world and and love our enemies and love those who don't know you and to be a representation, to be a light into the darkness, to be the salt of this earth, Lord. Help us not to be religious, but to be filled with your presence, to walk in love and to have spirit and truth flow from us as you did, Lord. Help us to realize that the best way to defeat the enemy is to declare your scriptures and to quote, this is written, Lord, and that the enemy can't twist things on us, Lord, because we're getting to know you through your word. And I just thank you so much. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.